back on so I can see my notes as I'm preaching. Well, we're turning today to John's Gospel in chapter 15 in our Bibles. So please find that place in your copy of the Scriptures now or uh, get ready to listen to the Word of God being read from this place. John chapter 15, verses 1 through to 8. And this is a a very special part of John's Gospel. Those of you who know John's Gospel, I didn't, this isn't original to me, I got this from the Schofield Study Bible, but John's Gospel is a little bit like the tabernacle, which was uh, the tent temple, if you like, that Israel worshipped in when they were on their journey to the Promised Land. And these last chapters seem to follow uh, a progression that matches the layout of the tabernacle. In chapter 12, you had Christ prophesying his death on the cross, uh, in harvest terms actually, uh, of the grain of wheat falling in the ground, but he said he was going to die on the cross. That relates to the altar of sacrifice, because Christ was the sacrifice for our sins. Then after that, you have the basin of water, which relates to chapter 13 of John's Gospel, which is where Christ washes the disciples' feet. And uh, we remember that very amazing time there. And then in chapter 15, sorry, 14 through to 16, we have what's called the Upper Room Discourse. And the Upper Room Discourse is where the disciples are in the holy place, as it were, with the Lord, and he gives them his last teaching before going to the cross. And then finally after that, chapter 17 of John's Gospel, we have the high priestly prayer of Christ, as we call it, which corresponds to the inner sanctuary of the innermost place, most holy place, the Holy of Holies, where the high priest would go in and present uh, the offering and his request to God. So it's laid out like the tabernacle. So tonight, this morning we're in John 15, we're in the holy place with the Lord Jesus Christ as we turn to this passage. John 15 verses 1 through to 7, sorry 1 to 8. I am the vine, said the Lord Jesus, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burnt. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. A young boy was with his mother in the old-fashioned sweet shop. You can tell this is going back a few years. And uh, his mother was saying, hurry up and choose. 
And the boy was dithering, going from one sweet jar to another. Do I want one of these? Do I want one of these? And she said, will you just hurry up? And she, he said, mother, I only have one pea left. He said, I must spend it wisely. <laughs> now, that little boy, we may think he's a bit, uh, bit annoying, and perhaps it was annoying for the mother, but actually there was wisdom in that. Uh, because you see, our lives are like a penny. You can only spend it once. How you spend it matters very much. We need to spend it wisely. The Roman orator Antonius said, No man has any life to lose except that which he now lives, and lives any life except that which he now loses. We need to find out what life is about and how to use it. We're not just here to draw our breath and draw our salary. We're here for a purpose. And the Christian doesn't have to struggle to find that out because the Bible tells us we are here to bear fruit. In verse 16, later on in this chapter, the Lord Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. That was his decided purpose for those who belong to him. And that is the purpose of the Christian life. And this teaching comes from the Lord Jesus' teaching, I am the vine. In John's Gospel, we have seven I am statements of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, seven times he, he describes himself, but he begins with those two words, I am. Now that may not mean much to somebody who's not a Bible reader, but to Bible readers that makes lights come on, because that is the name of God in the Old Testament. In Exodus chapter 3, when Moses was going to meet the Israelites and he met the Lord at the burning bush, he said, who shall I say sent me? And he said, I am that I am. And that's what he said his name is. He's the all-sufficient one. I am. And the Lord Jesus took that name, I am, and he applied it to himself. He's making an unequivocal statement saying, I am God. I am God. And then he added uh, an extra statement on the end of it to give an application to how he works in our lives. He said, I am the bread of life in John chapter 6, verse 35. And anyone comes to him, they will be satisfied. They'll never go hungry again. John 8, verse 12, he said, I am the light of the world. You don't need to walk in darkness anymore. Jesus can be the light of life to you. John 10, verse 9, Jesus said, I am the gate, or also translated, I am the door. And he said, through me, anyone who enters will be saved. You want to get into heaven? Come to Jesus. He's the way to to get to heaven you come to him if you want to be saved john 10 11 he said i am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life to protect and rescue the sheep which is what jesus did when he died on the cross for us john 11 25 and 26 he said i am the resurrection and the life and he was the one who raised lazarus and himself later on the third day and then John 14, verse 6, very powerfully, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And this last statement, I am the vine, is the seventh of these great statements declaring who Christ 
is. And this was something that the Jewish people would have connected with very strongly because vines and vineyards were a big part of their life. If you went to Israel at that time, you would have seen on the door of the temple, it had a vine, a golden vine, wrapped around the pillars and around the, uh, the edges of the door of the temple. And uh, it was a, a beautiful thing that they may have seen on that very day. Christ made this statement. Judean hillsides are full of vineyards and trailing vines. And it was the national symbol of Israel, especially since the days of the Maccabees, appearing on their coins. So the uh, Jewish people related well to it. It was something God had said in the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 5 and in other places, that Israel was the vine of God. But here the Lord Jesus says, I am the vine and I want you to bear fruit through me. And that's what the whole Christian life is all about, bearing fruit to God. Again, the Jewish people would have remembered this because their tabernacle and their priests and their temple reminded them of that. The high priest, when he wore his special golden garments, as they were called, they were, they were symbolic garments. And on the hem of the garment, it had little blue and purple pomegranates. That's what that's meant to be. It's a, it's a, a material pomegranate and uh, a bell next to it. So it was meant to be bells, golden bells for praise and pomegranates for fruit, symbolic of the aspects of the Christian life, praise and fruit bearing. And many different types of fruit are listed for the Christian to bear in the Bible. The Bible calls soul winning, evangelism in Romans 1, fruit bearing. Holiness is like fruit bearing in, in Romans 6. Giving financially, Romans 15, is fruit bearing. Godly character, the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, is fruit bearing. Good works in general, Colossians 1 verse 10. And praise to God, finally, in Hebrews 13 15, is fruit bearing. And the Lord Jesus wants us to bear fruit. In fact, he doesn't just want us to bear a bit of fruit, he wants us to bear much fruit fruit. If you notice, as we read this, there was a progression all the way through this passage. He starts off with the branch that bears no fruit in verse 2. Then he talks about the one that does bear fruit in verse 2 again. Then he talks about the one that's more fruitful. And then he goes on in verse 5 to talking about much fruit. That's a progression, isn't it? From no fruit to much fruit. And he says at the end in verse 8, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And that's what we want to do. If we're serious about the Christian life, if we're serious about the things of God, we want fruit bearing in our lives. Now you say, that's great John, but how? How do we do that? Well, this passage will tell us as we look at the words of the Lord Jesus. He gives five different things here that are the way to bear fruit in him. There must be belonging, there must be pruning in verse 2, there must be cleaning in verse 3, and there must be remaining or abiding in verses 4 to 6, and finally receiving from him verse 7 to 8. So I want us to have a look at these now, beginning first of all with that first thing, belonging. That's how we bear fruit. In verse 1, the Lord Jesus said, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. That's setting the scene. God the father is the husbandman, the gardener, who uh, works on 
the vine branches. And in verse 5 he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And that's our place in this, if we're Christians. If we want to bear fruit, we must be connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the vine and we are the branches. If you look at a vine, uh, the vine is actually the, the, the... the vine proper is actually the, the main core of the, of the vine, of the plant. And then the branches trail off at about waist height as they're reared to do all the way from there. Some of them very long. If you've ever seen the, the vine at Hampton Court in the, in the gardens there, in the greenhouse. Uh, but that's where we are in connection to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the vine and we are the branches that are connected to him. And very simply, if we want to bear fruit, that means we've got to become a Christian. We've got to belong to him. We won't be able to bear fruit if we're not in him. He said, you are the branches to his disciples in him, in me. And uh, this is what is required for everybody if they want a fruitful, fruit-bearing life. And I want to say to you, this is what each of us needs to do. We need to become a Christian. We need to ask the Lord to forgive us our sins, the things we've done wrong, and trust in the Lord Jesus, finish work on the cross for our salvation. You know, one person who did this with dramatic effect in his life was Brian Greenway, who was a a hell's angel back in the 1970s. And some of you may remember the, the bikers going down to Brighton and all the violence down on Brighton Beach. Well, he was one of the men who was involved in that. And in fact, he ended up in Dartmoor Prison as a result of attempted murder on a man. And while he was in prison there, somebody visited him and they gave him two things. They gave him a yellow Bible, uh, a living Bible, as it was called, uh, published in those days. And uh, they gave him a copy of a book called Run Baby Run by a man called Nicky Cruz, who was an American gangster who became a Christian. And Brian Greenaway in his prison cell read the book Run Baby Run by uh, Nicky Cruz and how he became a Christian. This is what he says in his own book, Hell's Angel. He said, as I read how God did change him, I broke down. Tears of despair and tears of hope poured down my face. The pages in front of me went blurred. Where could I find this God of love? Where could I find this Jesus who came so suddenly into Nicky's life that night, taking away the nightmares and allowing him to sleep soundly again? That's what Nicky had said he had experienced. I needed so much to understand, but I had no preacher to show me. Then I remembered the yellow book, the Bible, lying beside me. If the advert kept its promise, this book would tell me all I needed to know about God and about Jesus. I didn't know one end of it from the other. I simply opened it and read. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. (laughs) It was Jesus talking about his father, God. As I read it, I had the feeling, an overwhelming feeling that God was there in my cell. So I read on. Jesus said, take care to live in me and let me live in you. A branch cannot bear fruit when severed from the vine, nor can you be fruitful apart from me. 
There it was. If I wanted my life to be fruitful, I had to become part of Jesus. As I lay on my bed facing the door, I knew that Jesus had his arms open out towards me. He was saying, all you've got to do is ask me and I would change your life. I wanted it more than anything I had ever wanted. Out loud, I asked him to do for me what he had done for Nikki, to change my life, taking away all that was rotten and making it worth living. At that instant, I began to feel all the pus and poison in me drain away through my feet. All the frustration and anger that had held me prisoner for most of my life just flowed away. At the same time, it was as though a hole opened up in my head and God's love began pouring in. For the first time ever, I was experiencing real love and it was God's pure love. In tears of joy, I cracked up and fell to my knees on the floor, thanking God for bringing us together. After that, like Nikki, I slept a dreamless sleep at peace with God. I woke up with the same feeling of peace. All the bitterness and hatred had gone. I was a new person. I didn't know then that the Bible talks of being born again, but that's what it felt like. I didn't understand anything about Jesus dying on the cross to save me from my sins, but I knew that somehow God was washing all the bad in me away. The stabbings and the sex and the drug taking and most of all the way I'd misled others had been forgiven. All the terrible things I'd done in the past were gone. He'd given me a chance to start again and I'd taken it. Friends, that's about belonging in the vine, coming to Jesus and receiving his life within you. So I want to ask you, have you come to him yet? Have you asked him to be your saviour yet? If you haven't, you're not yet a Christian. Maybe a very nice person, maybe a very moral person. But you're not a born again Christian. You're only a Christian when you've come to the Lord Jesus Christ and said, Lord, save me, forgive me, come into my life. I want to be connected to you. And when you do that, he will join you to himself. He came for that purpose. Verse 13, he says, Greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. He calls you today to come to him and put your trust in him. So if you've not yet done so, do so. It's the way the fruit bearing begins with belonging. And then secondly, there comes pruning. And this is in verse 2. And the Lord Jesus goes on. He says, he cuts off, that's my father the gardener, cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now pruning is a... A particular thing that people who work on vines, uh, husbandmen, do to increase the fruit-bearing capacity of the vine. It sounds like sheer madness, boom, boom, okay, but it's actually purposeful. When they take the shears, when they take the cutting tools, in those days it was a, a, a flat metal knife uh, with a rounded edge, and they cut off branches and cut off uh, limbs, 
They're not doing it to destroy the plant. They're doing it to increase its fruitfulness. Modern vine tenders will tell you today that one of the biggest difficulties for vines is the way they grow is that some parts can block the light coming to other parts so it can't bear fruit. So they, they train the, blo- the plant and trim it so that it increases its productivity. Now that's what God says he will do with us in our life. If we bear no fruit, that means we're not really connected with him and we've got to really take that seriously because we won't be able to continue in him in heaven. We will be cast away. But if we do bear fruit, then he will prune us to bear even more fruit. Now what does that mean in practical terms? That means God will sometimes step into our lives and make things happen so that we actually are becoming more productive Christians. And pruning can be very painful and very difficult. For the disciples at this time, I'm sure the Lord Jesus had in mind his own departure from them. He was going to go and die on the cross and then he was going to rise again. And 40 days later, he was going to ascend into heaven and he was going to leave them. Now they would say, but Lord, we need you. We're better off with you. No, he said in chapter 16, if I don't go away, then the Holy Spirit, the counselor can't come to you. And you're better off with him coming in chapter 16 and verse 7. So it would be like pruning, taking away something precious and important for a time that God may allow greater fruit to be born in our lives, in, in their lives. Uh, let me give you another illustration. Perhaps I can explain this better with a testimony. This lady here is Kelly Bryan. At the age of 15, she was one of the youngest people ever to become a pop star in a group called Eternal. And uh, they were very successful. And four years after they started their success career, she became a Christian. She was born again. She gave her life to the Lord and was saved and started to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. But suddenly, do you know what happened? She had a fax message. That's what we used to use before email. She had a fax message come through and it said, you've got to leave the band. There's been a dispute about pay. The management are saying, you've got to go. She was cut off from the band. Then, to make it worse, she went down with an illness, lupus. I don't know what lupus is. I knew a lady in one of our uh, first churches who had lupus, and she really suffered. It's a very, very difficult illness indeed. And she spent days and days and days in a hospital bed being able to do nothing. But you know what? She said, out of that grew my prayer life. And I knew God had pruned me so that I could be a woman of prayer. Now, that's painful, isn't it? But God's got spiritual fruit in mind. See, this is what he wants. You know, Richard Dehan was one of the, uh, the, the men who was in the uh, radio Bible class ministry that produces uh, the daily Bible notes we sometimes give out in the church, our daily bread. And uh, he was an American and he went to visit a farmer on one occasion and he got out of his car and there was this beautiful, beautiful uh, load of apple trees in full blossom. And he got out of the car and he saw his farmer friend coming over and he said, it's beautiful, it's beautiful. 
And the farmer said, it is beautiful, but it's no good to me. And he said, what are you talking about? You get to wake up and see this. He said, listen, he said, I'm not a florist. I'm a farmer. I want to bear fruit. It's fruit I can sell, not the bud. It needs to bear fruit. And you know, sometimes that's what God has to do in our lives. He has to let the blossom go and let the fruit bearing come instead. There was a famous artist many years ago in the days of the classics, a man by the name of Tim Osthenes. And Tim Osthenes was a great artist being trained. And as he painted a beautiful picture one day, he stood in the, in, the, uh, in, the, in the studio on an easel. And every day he would come in, he would just sit back at the chair and look at this picture. He was so pleased with his artwork he had done. And after a while, his instructor got fed up with this. And he pulled out a paintbrush and in front of Timosthenes, he slapped it all across the painting. And then he got a Stanley type knife, as it was in those days, and he cut it across the canvas. And Timosthenes was broken. He said, what did you do that for? He said, that picture was holding you back. You can do better than that, but all you were doing was looking at that picture. It had to go. And you know, God knows sometimes we can produce more if he takes things out of our lives. It's not an easy thing, is it, to understand. Sometimes, and this isn't a threat, sometimes a pastor leaves a church after a fruitful ministry there. Sometimes a loved one goes home. Sometimes health is pruned. Sometimes money is taken. Whatever it is that God sees has to be adjusted. He will adjust because he wants us to bear fruit. Maybe that helps make sense of some of the things in your life and mine right now. God isn't being cruel. He's doing it so that you reach your potential. And then thirdly, we see the third thing about fruit bearing is cleaning. Verse 3. Verse 3, the Lord Jesus said, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now, according to modern farmers today, uh, one of the things that uh, the vine tenders have to be careful is that vine branches don't drag down on the floor because they're grown at waist height. They don't get down on the floor and they don't get covered in dust. Uh, And again, this is one of the things that uh, is, is their great battle is against things that block out the light and allow the, the light to come in for maximum fruit bearing. So what they do is they literally, where necessarily, clean the vine. And they will use brushes and water to cleanse off the dust and dirt, lift up the branches, so again, they're able to receive more light. Now that again is something that God does in the Christian, in his life, uh, to help him bear fruit. He cleans us. And what does Jesus say he cleaned the disciples with? You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. The word of God, the word of the Lord Jesus has a cleaning effect on our lives. Now I don't want to confuse anybody about this because in the Bible there's two things that cleanse. The blood of Christ and the word of God. The blood of Christ on the cross cleanses us from our sins. The things we've done wrong. 
And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness, says Hebrews 9.22. That's why the Lord Jesus had to come and die for my sins and for yours, so you can be clean to go to heaven. It had to be by the blood. There's no other way. But cleansing the influence of the world comes through the word of God. And Ephesians 5.26 tells us that he washes us with the water of his word. You see, I had a pastor uh, when I was growing up. He used to say to us regularly, he said, boys, you can't go down a coal mine without getting dirty. And I knew what he meant by that. This week you're going to go out into the world and you're going to hear smutty jokes and you're going to see sights and you're going to be involved in things that you never intended to go a bit wrong and, and dirty and you're going to come out of it with influence on you from the world you've got to wash that off you've got to wash that off what is going to wash that away the word of god as we read the bible the bible has a cleansing impact on us it's like water sometimes people say to us oh you christians you're brainwashed i say amen hallelujah my brain has been washed You've seen the things that are in the world. I'm glad it's been washed. <laughs> washed away from the wrong thoughts and wrong ideas so that we follow the truth. And the Lord Jesus wants us to be cleansed by his word in our lives. Uh, you know, I, I, this is why it's so important for Christians every day to read their Bibles. It's so important to read our Bibles, not just occasionally, not just when we come to church or we're sat at the airport with nothing else to do. We're then forced to, uh, to look up the Bible on our phone, but as a routine, as a daily part of our lives. Because like washing, it has to be done continually to get the dust and the dirt of the world off of us. Elna Sass was a, a Christian who was a little bit backslidden and she was on a ship once and uh, as they were being shown around this ship she admired the, the polished brass everywhere. You know, they say in the Navy, don't they, you know, what uh, they can't paint, they polish and what they can't polish, they promote. So it was those three things in the Navy and, uh, and she saw this beautiful polished brass everywhere. And she said to the captain, how often do you have to polish this to get it like this? He said, every day. Every day. He said, we're at sea with salt water and brass tarnishes very quickly. We have to have it every day polished. And she realised God was speaking to her heart. I need to be washed clean every day from the influence of the world. And she went back to her cabin and pulled out her Bible, which she'd been neglecting and took up daily Bible reading again. Am I speaking to somebody here who's gathering dust on their Bible? If so, start reading it again. Let the word of God cleanse you. If you want to bear fruit, you've got to let the light in come through the Bible. You know, when I was a, a boy, we went on a boys' camp. It was like scouts, but it was called Boys' Adventurers. And uh, my mum was, uh, was waiting with one of the other mums when we got back home. And uh, she said, I'll just have a quick look in the bag before we all go home. And she opened the bag, pulled out the wash bag. And she said, so you didn't do much washing then to her son. And he said, how do you know? And she opened it and there was a Mars bar inside his flannel. <laughs> now, a mother is, cu is cunning like that. She'd hidden a Mars bar for him when he was on camp inside his flannel. Let me ask you this question. If I have hidden a 50-pound note in your Bible, would you find it by next Sunday? 
Would you find it by next year? You know what? We need to be Bible readers, don't we? So that we're cleansed by the water of the word. Fourthly, fruit bearing comes by remaining, as Jesus says in verses four to six. There's one word that comes six times in this portion that we've got here, eight times altogether in the chapter that you may have noticed. It's the word remain. Look at verse four, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. The King James Version, the old uh, 1611 authorised version, that uses the word abiding. You know, we sometimes sing that hymn, don't we? Abide in me. Well, actually, it's the wrong way around. Jesus says, you abide in me. <laughs> That's what you should be doing. You should be abiding in me, remaining in me. I'm the I'm the vine, the branches need to stay connected to the vine if they're going to bear fruit. It's no good becoming detached and then hoping to bear fruit. This is essential. It's like pulling out the plug on an electric appliance and expecting it to carry on. It can't. You've disconnected it from the power. And in the Christian life, you and I, if we come attached from Christ, we cannot continue bearing fruit we need a daily walk with christ that goes on jesus said in verse 5 without me you can do nothing he didn't say without me you can do less he said without me you can do nothing it's essential for him for us to be connected with him and you know what that's the great secret the world needs to learn You know, in 1945, the UN removed all mentions of God from their charter to appease the communists and their atheism. It hasn't gone too well since then, has it? You know what? When the world turns its back on God, when you turn your back on God, you need to remember what Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. You can exist, but you can't bear fruit in your life to the glory of God. And verse 6 says, uh, If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. In other words, continuing in Christ is a mark of salvation. Truly saved people will go on with him. What was it Winston Churchill said? Never, 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 never give up. And he was the one who reminded us that the bulldog has its nose slanted backwards so it can still hold on and breathe at the same time. And that's like the Christian. We've got to be tenacious in our relationship with the Lord. Because, you know, the devil will want to get you separated from the Lord. He'll come along and he'll say, you know what, things haven't gone too well for you since you became a Christian, all this difficult stuff. And, you know, you'll have to say, look, devil, I know what you're saying is right. It is difficult, but I'm holding on to Jesus. You know what Job said in the Old Testament? Job said, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. He was holding on. Someone said, when you come to the end of your tether, tie a knot and hang on. That's what Jesus is saying, remain in me. And he's encouraging his disciples in the upper room. When I've gone back to heaven, continue on with me. Don't just be Christians while I'm here in body present with you. Be Christians even so afterwards. 
And he says the same thing to us today. It's not just about starting the Christian life and saying a prayer, Jesus save me. Thinking, I've got my ticket to heaven, I'm alright now, I don't need to worry about it. It's about going on with him, remaining and abiding in him. You need to understand, becoming a Christian is a lifelong commitment to walk with Christ and to be in fellowship with him. Finally, the last part of bearing fruit is receiving in verses 7 and 8. The Lord Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The branch's ability to bear fruit is directly related to how it receives from the vine. And vine tenders will tell you, if you look at the joins of the most fruitful branches, they're the biggest joins. Because that allows the most sap to come through, to to join into the branches and lets the flow come through to the maximum potential. And we need to be connected with Christ in such a way that we are receiving maximum strength and help from him. This is what he means when he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you carry on following the teaching of the Bible, then you can ask what you need, what you wish, and it will be given to you. He doesn't mean ask for a a Rolls Royce or something like that, but he means ask for what you need for fruit bearing. It's in the context of fruit bearing in our lives and he will help us. But there's uh, no fruit bearing without asking. Warren Wiersbe says uh, in his commentary, the word of, sorry, not Warren Wiersbe, Charles Spurgeon says, here is the secret of prevailing prayer. It is not every man who chooses to pray who shall have whatever he asks. But the successful pleader is the man who abides in Christ and in whom Christ's words abide. God will not hear our words if we disregard his word. In other words, God won't listen to you if you don't listen to the Bible. We cannot expect our prayers to be prevalent if we are severed from our Lord. So fruit bearing requires receiving. And that means taking the word of God and praying it through. And you know what? This is the secret of powerful prayer. This is the secret of getting our prayers answered. Sometimes we say, I wish God would answer our our prayer. Then find what the Bible says and pray that. I'll give you one personal application. I can give you several. But one personal application. Heather and I were married for many years before we could have children. And we couldn't have children. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed. We couldn't have children. And, you know, we had a pet rabbit as a substitute. And, uh, um, and it, was, it was a really difficult time for us. And those who've been there will understand. And one day I found this verse in the book of Malachi in the Bible. And it says, why does God bring couples together in marriage? So that he can have godly offspring. And it was like the light fell on the page. And I said to heaven, that's it. That's it. Now we got our Bible verse. We can go to God in prayer and say, God, your word says you want godly offspring from us. So we took that in prayer. And it wasn't long before Heather conceived. And we had two children, Samuel and Hannah. And you can tell from the names as well. uh, the, the, The fulfillment from the Bible story in that. The prayer uh, of the word of, based on the word of God is the prayer that receives the life and the blessings. So listen to me, dear friends. 
please, if your prayer life is shorter than a television commercial, do something about it. Base it on the word of God and become a stronger person in prayer and you will bear more fruit. That's true for us as a church, Union Chapel Church members. We need to be a praying church if we want to bear fruit for God. And that's why our weekly prayer meeting is so important. So as we come to a close, I hope today you are resolving to give God a harvest to his glory in your life. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples, said Jesus. Let's take these things and pray them through. And if we've not yet connected with Christ by asking him to be our saviour, turn to him as a priority even today. Thank you for listening so nicely. We're going to 